In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. There's, there's lots of room in the shade up here. If you, if you want to come into the shade right here in the front row, where all Episcopalians prefer to be. We have, we have a um, saying in our house um, during, during uh, events where there's either lots of company or family to kids that if you want to like stay up, lay low. Some family members are better at laying low than other family members. One family member can't lay low ever, but um, Jesus is laying low is what's happening here. We, we, we sort of miss some things. Um, I know, I know we, like, we like the five-week Bread of Life series in the Episcopal Church in the summertime, but what you miss is sort of this urgency of immediately after the feeding of the 5,000, there's this other teaching of, of what we read last week of the, the Jesus making all things clean and sort of the combativeness that's happening with the religious leadership. And, and Jesus is now, after making this statement, of it's not what goes into your body that makes you unclean, it's what comes out, thus sort of declaring all things clean. Um, there's a riff, right? There's, there's things happening. And so Jesus is moved into the Gentile region of Tyre and is lying low. Um, unfortunately for Jesus, he doesn't get to lie low so easy. People find out he's there and then they come find him. And this Gentile woman comes in and, and her daughter is, um, has a demon and, and begins to beg him. And Jesus says, it's not fair. The children need to be fed first. It's not fair to take the bread of the children and give it to the dogs. And she goes, yeah, but even the dogs get the crumbs, um, which is such a great response. And now in, in recent years, um, Maybe not in congregations, but certainly amongst clergy, we've, we've, we've taken to be very mad at Jesus in this little passage. But really, this is just, um, a couple things that, that are taking place. One, Jesus is here as the Messiah of Israel. Um, we know because we are post Pentecost people and we're Gentiles that, that Jesus came to open up the way of everlasting life to the whole world and sent forth the Holy Spirit. And now even Gentiles are children of God. But when Jesus came as the Messiah of Israel, even though that was something that was going to happen, his, his role, his mission was to proclaim that the God of Israel has, has come back, the Messiah has come back to redeem the world. The exile was over the exodus of sin and death was was done. And so Jesus gathers up his 12 Jewish disciples. We keep forgetting, right? That he's gathering up everybody and going around teaching and proclaiming and and, and he Jesus needs time to teach his disciples who are going to be the apostles that take the message of salvation to the ends of the earth. And so Jesus is, is not being insulting. In some way, this is just, this is banter, you would call it. 
But more importantly, as Jesus is saying, it's, it's not that time. But the insistence of the woman, too, says, but it's coming, right? And there's glimpses. So we see that in Jesus all the time. We see that in, in the turning the water into wine and, and all of these other little, little miracles that aren't really on Jesus. This, like, this isn't really according to schedule. But go home. Your daughter's well. Right, and it's sort of amazing too, right? For thinking as as all the mothers here, um, you might be like, "Wait, I'll wait here. Let me go get my daughter and bring her back and see." You know, instead of, but it's really just like, no, that that miracle's done. Go, she's better, which is an incredible um, act of faith. Um, which is why also Mark includes it, I believe. And Mark, of course, is writing to Gentile uh, church anyway, and so he, he includes all these things to basically say, here's here's the sliver, here's what's coming. We we do we do sort of um, do an injustice if we if we think that Jesus is sort of this universal problem solver, right? He is the savior of the world now. But he didn't come to be the savior to every single person he came across. It's impossible. And so Jesus leaves Tyre, heads to Sidon, more Gentile region, trying to lay low. But crowds are coming. And they bring to him a man who was deaf and mute. And Jesus takes him aside privately, opens his mouth unstops his ears and says, shh, don't let anybody know. And they say, we won't tell a soul. Did you see that? (laughs) Right? I mean, they were astounded and amazed and, and the word just spread. And, you know, it's hard for us to understand because if something like that happened at St. Matthias, you'd be like, yeah, tell everybody, come back to St. Matthias. But that's the difference between um, being in a church where where Jesus is already resurrected and the Spirit's on and, and trying to operate um, in, in a situation where uh, the king is killing off prophets. Right. When the problem of the problem of having that five week bread of life sort of hiatus is you forget that right before this, John the Baptist's head was just cut off. Jesus is operating in this urgency of he knows what will take place in Jerusalem. And people need to know that the kingdom of God is here. They need to be astounded and amazed and have their ears and their mouths open. This is the message that Jesus needs mostly. We haven't got to Peter's confession yet. That's like in a couple of weeks. We haven't got to Peter's confession of you are the Christ yet. He's still teaching who he is. That indeed the kingdom of God has burst forth into the world and will be for the world. 
that no longer will Jews and Gentiles refer to each other as dogs or something worse. No longer will just crumbs be offered. No longer will you be outsiders. You will be children of God. And if anything, living in a world where we don't offer just crumbs, but we offer a feast, we need to proclaim that indeed in Jesus, there's a feast. You don't need to worry about crumbs. A feast is at hand. You can come and banquet in the Lord. We, if anything, probably are guilty of being less astounded at what Jesus has done for us and the ways that he brings forth healing and life and food instead We're often content to settle for crumbs. And even then, sort of, they're okay. For us, we need to recapture some of this astonishment, amazement, that the God of gods has burst forth into the world to bring forth life and hope to everyone, to all peoples, regardless of gender and race and status, which is why James today is, you know, irritated of what's going on with with treating some people better than others. And this is would be a, an incredible leap to go off into a great political sermon, which I'm not going to do. But I mean, like, here you are treating these people better, and these are the people that oppress you anyway. You know, what is wrong with you? Instead, you've got people that are like you, maybe in a little bit worse state than you, and you treat them poorly. As churches, we always need to have this check in our minds, especially when we think about balancing budgets and buildings and paying bills and things like that. Do we have this tendency to treat some better than others? I pray not. For the feast is available to everyone. And we we stopped our, our passage um, a little bit, a little bit too soon um, in James. And I looked ahead and it doesn't happen next week. So I have to say it this week because uh, I've shared it with you before. But but the, the next passage about about faith and works that that you need indeed to live out your faith by the way that you live your life. Um, we talked about last week, the way you live The way you really live your life is to keep yourself pure and holy and to care for for the the least, right? The widows and orphans in that time, but the least are a whole bunch of people now, also widows and orphans, but more than just widows and orphans. You know, the the very poor, the homeless, the addicted, whatever you go on, the list is the list is long. We're called to 
to live into that faith. James says um, later, when he's talking about faith, it's more than just what you believe. It's more than just what you think. You believe there's one God, good. The demons believe that and they shudder. And I've shared with you before, that's that's the verse that's sort of my, my sort of adult conversion verse because I was teaching uh, teaching youth group and, and this may be shocking to some of you because you haven't got to see me in vacation Bible school action yet. But I'm like the game person. And I was the game person way back when I was helping to lead, lead youth group, um, when I was barely much older than a youth group person myself. Um, and then I had to teach about faith. And this was the passage that I was given. And it was basically defined my life. Right. But to that point, I grew up in the church. I knew all the creeds. We even had, we didn't even, we sang the creed. So like, it was like, it's a ditty in my head even now. Like, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. So there you go. Um, and, and so I knew all the things and believed all the stories and the teachings and everything about Jesus. But I, that didn't mean that my life was transformed in any meaningful way um, until I read this passage. And realized even demons believe and they shudder. And would I do well to, to live my life more fully um, the way God intended? In many ways, my, my ears were unstopped and my tongue was loosed um, in that moment. And this is, is what... I think we're called to as well. If we, if we're called, if we can take those, sort of merge those, those two things of, of Jesus not coming to, to be sort of the, the savior to every single person in that, in that way. We know he's the savior of the world through his, through his actions on the cross and resurrection, but he didn't come to be every, everything to everybody, every person at the time. The church isn't either, right? We're, we can only, you can only do so much. Our resources are only so much. But we are called to do astonishing, amazing things in the name of Jesus things. And that takes sort of listening, praying, waiting for the spirit to come. This is the things that, that have, that have happened in the church recently, I believe, are our actions of, of listening, opening our ears, and then responding. And we have to continue to do that. It isn't a one-time thing. We are called to help. There's, there's a million things to do to save the world, but the problem with trying to do a million things is you don't do much of anything. Right? If we listen carefully to that vision, that mission, that way that God is inviting us we could do a couple few things and impact an amazing amount of people for the glory of who God is. And, and that's my prayer as we go forward. Um, there's a feast ready to be shared. There's a banquet 
ready to be delivered. And I pray that, that we may, uh, we may listen and hear and talk and share and seek after the Spirit of God and respond with astonishment and amazement to the gifts that He gives and the ways that healing is available to the world. And we live into that. Amen.